<laughs> yeah, don't, don't worry. Oh. Uh-oh. Well, good morning. Glad to be back with everybody. Um, it's been a long break and it feels really good to see everyone. Um, so today we're going to be looking at lesson 46, uh, which is God is the love in which I forgive. And if we have time, we'll look at the review lesson, which is lesson 60. Um, but before we get started, I want to do a, a meditation, bring us all together, and then take some time after we center to share. Um, it's been a long time, so um, I know there's been meditation groups meeting, there was a seminar that was held, small groups are being, um, are meeting, and some of us have gone on vacations, there's been lots of changes, so uh, I think it would be really nice to take a minute, uh, you know, 10 minutes or so and just come together and, and, and share um, what we've collected as we've been apart. Uh, so before we do that, we'll just take a moment and close our eyes. Let me double check on my sound. How's my sound? Okay, all right, great. Um, so we're gonna do an opening meditation uh, lesson 241, it's this holy instant is salvation come. So if everybody, you can turn there, it's on page 414, or if you just want to close your eyes and listen, that will be fine as well. <clears throat> this holy instant is salvation come. What joy is there today? It is a time of special celebration. For today holds out the instant to the darkened world where its release is set. The day has come when sorrows pass away and pain is gone. The glory of salvation dawns today upon a world set free. This is the time of hope for countless millions. They will be united now as you forgive them all. For I will be forgiven by you today. We have forgiven one another now. And so we come at last to you again. Father, your son who never left returns to heaven and his home. How glad are we to have our sanity restored to us and to remember that we are all one.
And when you're ready, gently open your eyes and come back into the room. I love that. How glad are we to have our sanity restored and to remember that we are all one. Ah, <laughs> thank God. Um, okay, so does anybody have, um, we'll just kind of open up the floor to share some, you know, what we've, anything that's come up for us, any processes, forgiveness lessons, um, is anything that you feel like you want to bring to the group? Um, I had a really interesting realization. So I quit my job and I didn't realize that, well, I had tricked myself into thinking that um, if I quit my job, my obsessive thought patterns about the job would stop. Like if I, if I stopped the job in form, then, um, then all of a sudden magically, like my mind would just clear up. <laughs> um, and so it, that didn't happen. And um, I, I, I've caught myself like numerous times thinking about like payroll or inputting something or it's, and it's just, I, it was such a vivid moment of, of seeing like, oh, this is just completely automatic. It doesn't even have to be associated with an emotion necessarily or a physical thing right now. It's a pattern that I've, that my ego has created and is using to perpetuate my identity by worrying. And that's how all of our memories work. And, um, you know, and then eventually we, you know, they go into the subconscious or whatever, and they're not quite at the forefront like this is for me right now. But um, anyway, I just thought that was fascinating. I never really made that connection before. So that's what happened to me on my summer break. <laughs> um, and at least I'm laughing about it. I mean, I do find myself at times like I can feel like an internal shaking. Like it really riles up like the central nervous system and then I'll be like, oh, and then, and then I remember that I don't have to think about that anymore and it's gone. Like it's a, it's a, it's a superficial, you know, a simple example, but it, but it's, it's, it was so powerful for me. And I think that's kind of maybe a very simplified version of forgiveness like oh yeah I don't have to think that that thought anymore you know I I can let that go you know so anyway anybody else everybody's so quiet hi Lynn <laughs> yeah I um it's hard to kind of encapsulate the summer but i would say for myself the biggest thing has been really connecting more deeply with the um decision i couldn't even think of it. what is i'm connecting for well the decision maker you know that that thing and um really uh instead of um 
I think I had displaced a lot of the responsibility onto the ego mm. as the perpetrator rather than myself as the chooser of the ego to do my dirty work. And so that's, it's just been kind of a, that was a very important transition. And then the next part has been about, it's not exactly, it's becoming more friendly towards those thoughts that I dissociated. And, um, a lot, you know, I was talking with somebody about how it's like, it feels like the ego thoughts are just fast and furious, the, the more clear I become. And then I realize it's because I have invited them. I've allowed space for them to come. I'm not sending them out away from me. It's like calling all my lost children back so that I can uh, be the reminded that there's no place like home. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing. Hi, Aris. Yeah, it does feel like coming back home to be with all of you. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. I, I, since we were had that, um, everybody that joined us with an identity workshop. Wow, I've had some powerful realizations about identity um, and, and realize, wow, I have a really negative identity of myself. And I even had a name for it, bitch. <laughs> and uh, I, I, my partner would probably testify to that. <laughs> but I wanted to, uh, but, but because we were in the workshop, we worked on identifying all the identities we thought we had, all the names and all the labels. Um, it's, it's really amazing to be able to, like Lynn was saying, to take space and just to observe it as one more lost child, you know, as just a, it's not a dangerous uh, child. It's just part of what I have uh, called part of me and not to do anything but observe it. I'm not trying to change the bitch or the controller or whoever it is. I'm just trying to observe it actually lovingly. And that's been a transition I'm experiencing. But in order to do that, I have to allow myself to look at it as Ken pounds into us over and over and over again. And so I, I just feel like I'm, I'm more present here today with all of you, with all what I, all of what I've called my separate identities, my uh, schizophrenic self. <laughs> but I, I welcome myself and all of you here today again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Maya. Yes, good morning, everyone. So good to be back. Well, this was a surprising, uh, surprising six weeks for me. Um, I had a, I had a fantasy that wouldn't it be fun to come together to, um, to meditate. Uh, I was feeling a very strong um, desire to experiment uh, meditating with others to see what that would be like. And um, I, you know, I had a Zoom room, didn't never used it, never sent out an invitation. So it it turned out to be 
a very surprising time for me and a very wonderful time in which instead of having one foot at the school, you know, and sometimes only a little toe and sometimes I, I thought I was all in, but sometimes I wasn't. And it's changed, it's changed everything for me. It's just uh, a feeling of, I want to be all in. And I came back to be all in with all of you. And I thank everyone who, who, uh, who came to the meditations for the six weeks. And my apologies to Kathy Oh, who I, I didn't have a way to find your address. I would have certainly invited you. Uh, hopefully, Vicki, you got the invitations and just couldn't come. Uh, but anyway, uh, thanks to everyone who, who didn't come and did come. And it was it was uh, it was a thrilling experience for me. I'm so grateful. So so grateful. Thanks for sharing, Maya. Hi, Bruce. I, I think I think Lynn Corona had her hand up a little while ago. Did <laughs> <laughs> you? Yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry, Lynn Corona. But uh, I can't even remember <laughs> that <No>. I did. <laughs> but you know me, I'll always find something to say. <laughs> I was thinking, Becca, when you you first started, you know, talking about you you brought your old job home with you, you know, right along with you and, and how we have that choice to bring the past with us if we want or, or not. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things I discovered um, over our break, because I had so many ideas about what I was going to do, mostly complete things that I'd started, you know, a long time ago, um, and they just needed to be be done and completed. And I, I guess I did do a few of them um, and that felt good, but I, somewhere along the way, I let go of the idea that all these things had to be completed. And, um, you know, one of the things that I observed was, um, you know, the old buckaroo bonsai, no matter where you go, there you are. And that, the uh, psychological aspects of our personhood, if you will, you know, the one that's always telling us who, who and what and how we feel and how we think and, and what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. That, you know, that psychological self I realized is, is never, going to leave me <laughs> that I need to leave it mm. it's it's going to go with me wherever I go and um that that realization that no matter where we are and what we're doing that psychological self is going to be calling for attention until we until I see that um as I think Oris pointed out I am the witness of that or the watcher of that or the one that looks again with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And they always say the same thing. It is not so. It is not so. It is not so. And, and that, um, you know, that, that really compassionate 
looking, the reason we do look with Jesus, that we do look with the Holy Spirit, is they don't believe it. And of course, the ego does want us deeply to keep feeding it and believing in it. So um, that's a, a, a really led to a deepening um, awareness of where we always are forever and ever and never leaving that place of just that still impartial, I guess, observer that looks upon everything and stays home. We stay home, you know. <laughs> we don't have to go out into it. As, as Muji would say, we don't have to log into it. It's a choice to log into it. But, you know, our teachers still will remain and say, it is not so. That's not what you are. So that was a wonderful, you know, sort of homecoming during having more time to be, to be still and watch. Thank you. And I, I really am so grateful to be back. I mean, I, I felt like, um, you know, uh, a loose cannon sometimes because I'm always preparing for the next class and the next, you know, whatever we're doing. And here we were, you know, well, what's important here, you know, learning that we're still. So thank you. I miss you. And I'll see you Tuesday, Tuesday coming up. Parents and children, it's going to be a wild ride, you guys. A wild and wonderful ride. Yeah, thank you. I love how you said that. It's not going to leave me. I have to leave it. And, you know, we're always talking about, um, oh, I can't remember how we say it, but we don't want to bring, we can't bring level, you know, we can't bring Jesus and the Holy Spirit to us. We have to go to them, you know, level confusion. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. level confusion. And the way you said that, just really cleared that up for me. It, it said it in such a succinct way that I understood. It's just so clear when we're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, when we log in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Um, okay, well, we, does anybody have anything else? Or if not, we can move on and get started on our lesson. Okay, I think we will. Uh, let's go to lesson 40 in the workbook. I'm sorry, one moment, 46, excuse 46. me, 46, page 73. I apologize, I'm, I'm here, okay. I don't know, I'm also in a new location. It's different. I feel disoriented. Okay. Um, so I really enjoyed revisiting this lesson. And I think it's, it's, it, when I was reading Ken's commentary, he said it's the first time that Jesus discusses forgiveness. And I thought that was really interesting. And it's, it's written so simply, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I feel it's just bringing it really back to the basics. Like it's talking about forgiveness in terms of addition instead of calculus, you know, it's using the same numbers, 
but it's it's doing it in such a simple way and um and it really clearly i it feels like to me in paragraphs four five and six lays out the three steps of forgiveness um god is the love in which i forgive my brother god is the love in which i forgive myself and then this realization that I can't be guilty because I'm a son of God and that I've already been forgiven and nothing happened. And so it's just really simply, simply written out. And I appreciate that so much. Um, I was sitting just with the title, God is the love in which I forgive. And that, statement in and of itself to the logical mind doesn't make any sense so immediately it kind of you have to think it takes you take it took me to a different place in my mind and i was rewriting different ways to say that so god is the love in which i forgive i forgive in love when i'm in god's love i forgive Forgiveness happens when I'm in the love of God. There's different ways to move in that. And I, I kind of like to do that sometimes. It sort of, I don't know, encapsulates the, the feeling. <clears throat> All right. Let's start with paragraph one. God does not forgive because he is never condemned. And there must be condemnation before forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is the great need of this world, but that is because it is a world of illusion. So we forgive a world of illusions. Forgiveness is given to illusions. Illusions need forgiveness. We don't forgive reality. We only forgive illusions. But, and then when we forgive them, we restore those illusions. We rise, we raise them up back to eternity, back to reality, back to the perfect um, perfection seen through God's eyes. When we see through the eyes of forgiveness, um, we're restoring them to reality. So, and I also thought this was interesting. Ken says that forgiveness is also an illusion. So, cause it's, you know, God does it. It says it right there that God doesn't forgive because he has never condemned. So forgiveness isn't needed in heaven, right? So forgiveness is an illusion to forgive an illusion to remember that they never existed. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, the ultimate, um, I don't know, irony, but also, uh, the canceling out it reminds me of a video game right you just use you yeah one cancels out the other and it never happened 
Sorry, there's a siren going by. Bruce, Bruce has something. Oh, hi, Bruce. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, when you mentioned canceling, I, I recently got uh, these little AirPods, and one of the things you can do with them is noise canceling. And I was thinking, well, that's actually a pretty good metaphor for you know how we we when we listen to Holy Spirit, we're basically canceling out what never was, but the ego uses the canceling to cancel out what always was. <laughs> when, when i when i put those on and i use the noise canceling feature it's like the surf which is you know you hear all the time it's like suddenly you don't hear the ocean and it's like wow that's that's interesting i but uh but that that idea that you know we never left you know we we think we abandoned um perfect oneness but no we didn't <laughs> But I have to forgive myself for the belief that I abandoned you and I abandoned everyone and I abandoned my creator. And, and that's the forgiveness. I, I was thinking about that, that um, I guess a sense for those who forgive are thus releasing themselves from illusions. And it's like, I, I don't have that. I'm not releasing the world from illusions. I'm releasing my identity, my, myself, my mind from illusions. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, let's read those last sentences in the paragraph. Those who forgive are thus releasing themselves from illusions, while those who withhold forgiveness are binding themselves to them. As you condemn only yourself, so do you forgive only yourself, right? Forgiveness has nothing to do with anyone else. That is so hard to remember. It's the fundamental principle of this whole thing. There's no one out there, right? It's just me. It's just you, whoever is the eye looking. And it's so easy for me to take this course and think I need to forgive other people. Forgive them for what? For an idea that they should be different than they are? <laughs> Wait, that's the whole premise of the course in and of itself is to remember that everything is exactly as it should be. The son of God is innocent. You can see how easy it would be to screw up Jesus's message because we're doing it all the time when we, when we forget, you know. Um, so it's, it's just so important for me to go back to my practice and remember there's no one out there no one can hurt me. It's a decision, like Lynn Altman was saying, it's a decision I make in my mind. I decide to let the ego run amok with that story. Or I decide to think with the Holy Spirit and, um, and go into the right mind. Ken does say at some point that forgiveness is right-minded thinking. So forgiveness leads to right-minded thinking, and it is. So it's, I, I, I thought that was such a cool way to think about it. Yeah. I was thinking about the uh, different ways that you uh, were going through the title. Hmm. And one of them was, God is the love in which I forgive love. 
I mean, like, there's this, really, I have to forgive love? Now what did love do? I mean, Jesus was bad enough working with forgiving Jesus, but what did love do to me? God is the love in which I forgive love. Right. And then it's like I had to sit with each of the words in order to see how I was looking at that. So even even starting with forgiveness, period, like how am I defining that? But if I think I have to forgive love, then, you know, on a conscious level, I think love did something to me or is going to do something to me that I don't want. So going back to what you were saying, um, letting go of believing that, letting go of believing that, uh, that love is this monster I've made up that somehow is going to attack me, that Jesus is some kind of monster that's going to, and, and not even admitting that's what I'm thinking. Otherwise, I, I would let go of it in a heartbeat. I would let go of believing that love is threatening, that Jesus is threatening. Another way of looking at forgive is let go of believing that I'm separate from you. I'm separate from, I let go of believing I'm separate from Jesus. I forgive Jesus. I let go of believing I'm separate from him. I let go of believing I'm separate from love. I forgive love. Love's not this monster that's out to get me. And then, of course, it really comes back to the identity crisis. The, what I am I identifying with? Because I think I'm an I that can can actually make up monsters and call it love, and then it's going to come get me. You know, it's like this whole, like I have to let go of even, like I have to forgive believing, let go of believing I'm even an I that can make up a monster called love. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there's so much in that title, like, Oh my God, there's a whole <laughs> Course of Miracles right there. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, forgive, forgive my, forgive my concept of love. Like what I, what have I made of love? You know, that's, all oh, that opened a whole can of worms. And I was thinking, um, so I quit my job, I, but I, but I didn't really quit. I am still teaching there. So I went back yesterday, okay, for the first time in two weeks, and I I had to be there at one. And all morning I was scared. I was fearful. I was so certain, and I was aware of this while it was happening. And I, it's almost like it's kind of running in the background. It doesn't completely take over me, but it's there. Um, I was very aware that I was frightened and I, something bad was going to happen. And when I went there, all there was there for me was love. Everybody missed me. Nobody yelled at me. Nobody was pissed off that I was there in a different capacity. And I realized that the intensity of that scares the shit out of me. Because then I think I have to, you know, then the, the ego has a version, an idea of love that um, I have to behave a certain way, I have to act a certain way, but it is impossible to the ego that somebody could actually just love me. And it, it, um, it gave a totally different perspective to really all of that. And so, um, yeah, thanks for, for 
for sharing that, Tim, because that reminded me of that too. And, um, you know, fear and love are incompatible. Fear and forgiveness are incompatible. You know, that fear is such a strong force that is truly hiding love. Love is truly behind fear in every case. If we're just willing to, to bring the fear back into us and remember that, um, remember what's behind it, right? Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, I was thinking about what Tim was sharing, which was so right <laughs> And And it, when, when what you just said um, reminded me of a, a quote that I just looked up real quickly. Uh, it says, you do not realize that you are not afraid of love, but only what you have made of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about all the, all this, the, lo- the romantic love songs and, and uh, you know, all the, the whole popular notion of romantic love that's per- pervades so much of our music and culture. And, uh, it, and I, there's one song in particular that surfaces every once in a while, an exercise class that I uh, go to that's love hurts. You know, well, that yeah, the the the, the version we made up <laughs> certainly does. <laughs> it's it's nuts, you know. But uh, you know, we, we're only af- afraid of what we made out of ego's version of love, which is really hate. Yeah. Thanks. When I uh, when I got back from my little two week jaunt, um, hanging out with some core students in Wisconsin and then one-on-one and then hanging out with, uh, my, uh, brothers in Maryland and their families. Uh, when I got back, I was talking with Steven about it and, uh, he, he, uh, he told me this, I wasn't thinking of it this way, but he, he told me about this line. I think it's in chapter 14 where Jesus says, teach no one that they can hurt you. And I, and I had such a wonderful time, not only with the Wisconsin people, um, but with my brothers too, which I'm a little bit apprehensive every time I go to see them. And I thought it went so well and it went so wonderful this time. And I really enjoyed being with them and I didn't get bored and I didn't want to run out the door screaming. And, and it was, uh, it was great. And, and I realized what I was teaching them was not that they could hurt me or I wasn't, I wasn't teaching them that they could bore me to death. But I was teaching them that it was okay for them to love me, like walking into that job situation. I could let my brothers love me. It was like, really? <laughs> I could? Wow, what a rush. Yes, and uh, yeah. Teach no one that they can hurt you, but, but teach them, it's okay, you can love me. <laughs> you won't die. <laughs> I won't kill you if you love me. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Thanks. Uh, Lynn, did you have something? Lynn Corona? Well, just another plug for parents and children that the whole goal of of that book is to uh, come to the place where you know you cannot hurt nor be hurt. Because the the first relationship where we chose to hurt ourselves was we chose to use our parents as the ones to build our identity of being victimized. So, uh, you know, to have that over with completely would be the goal that we, we're, we're invulnerable. And, and, and another connection is the only way we can be truly helpful is to know our invulnerability. So it's all fitting together very nicely with the idea, 
what does it mean to be truly helpful, which Parents and Children is part of that series of classes on how do we get to that place where we really are invulnerable and we stand in that invulnerability and let ourselves be loved and love, you know, both ways. So, yeah, no more hurt. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. All right, let's go on to paragraph two. Yet although God does not forgive, his love is nevertheless the basis of forgiveness. Fear condemns and love forgives. Forgiveness thus undoes what fear has produced, returning the mind to the awareness of God. For this reason, Forgiveness can truly be called salvation. It is the means by which illusions disappear. I just have written, forgiveness is an illusion that rests on God's love that undoes the effects of fear. Of course, this is salvation. Um, and then, oh, this is where in the journey through the workbook, Ken's comment on this paragraph, is that forgiveness is right-minded thinking that undoes wrong-minded thinking. This is the undoing of the barriers to truth. Salvation is the undoing of the belief in sin. Salvation is the undoing of the belief that we could do anything wrong, right? Like when we really choose, when I really choose to believe that, when I like, I, I was talking to a friend, like, you know, we use our imagination for all kinds of stuff. We imagine all kinds of horrible things. What if we imagined that we couldn't do anything wrong? Like, what if we use the imagination to envision that possibility? We're already doing it with all this awful stuff. We're creating this world. What if we just, like, the worst thing that could happen is nothing. Like, what if we just pretended? We're all pretending anyway. Let's let's use this pretend this pretend idea of forgiveness and just see. And every time that I invest just enough to buy into it, to accept it, right, to bring it to myself, it always works. It's when I keep it separate as a concept, as something that I have to study and look at and analyze and, and write just properly and talk about just properly. That's when it never happens. It's when I choose to put it on, try it on for a minute, accept it, take it in. All right. Let's move on to paragraph three. Today's exercises require at least three full five minute practice periods and as many shorter ones as possible. Begin the longer practice periods by repeating today's idea to yourself as usual. Close your eyes and as you do, close your eyes as you do so, excuse me, 
and spend a minute or two in searching your mind for those whom you have not forgiven. It does not matter how much you have not forgiven them. You have forgiven them entirely or not at all. So as I read this, I, you know, I've always um, conceptually understood this idea of, you know, you can't be, a, you, you can't have a little bit of forgiveness. But it makes perfect sense right now, because if you have a little bit of forgiveness, you're still in, you're still in the ego construct, because that's part of its trap. Forgiveness has to be total because it takes us completely out of it, right? So anytime I'm bargaining with myself about, well, I can forgive them for this thing or not this thing. Well, first of all, I'm saying them. So that's the first sign that I'm in the wrong place. But also, you know, that's still just shades of the dream, right? So forgiveness has to be total to pull us out. Yeah, the emphasis, the word that jumped out was, he, what he didn't say was require at least three five-minute practice periods. He said it takes three full, full, <laughs> like, like try this for full, for five minutes, like until, until you have that total experience. I mean, the full is, a, you know, it's a big word, F-O-O-L. <laughs> and F-U-L-L. -L. <laughs> try, try a full, I, I, you can hear, you can feel uh, Helen wincing when he says the full word. Oh, I got to do this for a whole five minute thing with, with Bill <laughs> after Bill was driving her crazy. <laughs> full five minutes. That's good. And tying into what, what Tim just said, that, you know, that that concentration that's required, um, that we're all working on. <laughs> I, I was I had a nice conversation with John Mundy the other day, and, and he's you know a longtime course teacher student, and, and he was talking about how Ken, you know, he he's known Ken Wapnick a long time, and and he said uh, Ken didn't talk much about himself, but he did say one thing that I'm not sure if he heard it directly or secondhand, but. Uh, that Ken said he he had a you know pretty good ability to concentrate, and I was thinking, well, that's that's really what we're all working on, isn't it? Is is concentrating on the Holy Spirit's voice in a full five minutes? <laughs> wow, that would be something. That <laughs> I'll speaking speaking for myself, you know, I was just like, you know, an un, an untrained mind can accomplish nothing. Well, I I'm certainly in the in the training <laughs> training camp, the, the boot camp. Uh, so anyway, thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, I was um, thinking about yeah total forgiveness and and the relationship between um, we always say forgive and forget. Um, and I actually think there's a lot of truth in that maybe. Um, you know what's and I just wanted to open this question up. You know how. How do you know when you've truly forgiven something? And what is the relationship between forgiving and forgetting? Um, because when I, I guess for myself, when I forgive something, when I know it's completely gone, 
like when I've completely when 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 I I know that the the forgiveness process is completed when the the thought can still arise but the thought no longer um is real I don't take it it's not serious anymore I would love to say that like you know I I never think about it again, but sometimes it still will come up, but it's, but it's not, it doesn't have the same, it's not palpable in the same way, but I don't know. I just wanted to, to hear um, if anyone else had a, an idea or an experience with this idea of forgiving and forgetting. Yeah, Lynn Altman. Oh, um, what I've noticed in the, in the, in that forgiveness of, thinking of somebody who's doing me wrong right now is that there's an enormous surge of emotion about how I feel about what's happened. And in that emotional reaction or response, thinking just ceases. And um, there's a certain, uh, oh, a feeling of presence to myself in that feeling that sometimes replaces the the lack of feeling myself or the lack of sense of power or a sense of identity and so i'm just really i don't know if this is addressing what you're exactly what you're talking about but that fascination with and the the rush of emotion is so compelling it really stalls or stops being able to think of anything else but that. And, and I've been linking it up with what a tremendous um, sort of deflector that is to keep me from going back to the mind to recognize that there is even a process called forgiveness and that there's a, you know, that there is a, a way to look at this situation differently. And just even you know, any interaction with, with anyone, it's almost like the first thing that comes up is the, is the thought of separation, the, the experience of separation, the fear that that emotional um, response to that thought of separation. And then there is no thought. It's just there's the, the complete disconnection with what the generation of the experience was. And so I think when I forget I've worked through those layers and there is no more emotional charge. I get nothing out of being the old situation in any way, shape or form. But that, that has happened <laughs> very rarely for me because the, the attraction to that charge to maintain the separation is so strong. And, and I was thinking that full five minute, that full five minutes is full five minutes of, of thinking of all of the wrongs that have been done to me and all of the people that have perpetrated them. And it's only maybe slightly at the very end of that, that I might be having a little willingness to think about there might be an alternative. So the fullness, I think reiterates the Ken's thing about this is a process of undoing, which is bringing the fullness of our desire for separation to awareness. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's so true that um, it's a, 
for, for, forgiveness has no emotional charge. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good, I like that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll go Steven and then Aris. Okay. Am I coming through okay? I'm having a little, yeah, can you hear me? At the risk of uh, confusing myself and maybe uh, probably everybody else, uh, I'm not sure how to put all this together, but I just had this swirl of thoughts of, you know, it, there's, uh, uh, Wabney, Wabney says, even when I'm in the wrong, even when I'm in the right mind, I'm in the wrong mind. As long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm here, uh, there's a, a, a wrong-mindedness, but uh, the right-mindedness uh, happens. Uh, uh, for me, forgiveness happens. I don't do anything. I don't forgive anything. The forgiveness just happens. And it happens with what seems to be uh, the Holy Spirit or Jesus, whichever entity I choose. In truth, there are no entities. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm doing that uh, as Son of God, but Son of God is always in the background uh, pulling all the strings, and there is no, there is no ego. Uh, you know, everything's happening at once. So there has to only be one forgiveness, just like there's only one holy instant. And so uh, kind of putting all this together, what happens is I realize I can't. Uh, I don't understand anything really, um, especially if it's something like this. But I know that I've had glimpses of reality and I've had what seemed to be holy instants. And those are, uh, those are totally wonderful. But when I'm there, not, nothing comes to mind. I mean, I'm just, I'm just in that. It just happens. Um, there's a, wonder, a wonderment, an otherworldliness and a phenomenal aspect of it that just tells me, oh, this is it. I'm at peace, peace and, and everything's okay. And all that stuff I just talked about just now has nothing to do with anything. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. It's like riding a bike. You're just, you're just riding the bike. Oh, I'm riding the bike. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> uh, Aris and then Lynn Corona. Uh, thank you. Uh, I love this sentence in paragraph four. Um, you should have no difficulty in finding a number of people you've not forgiven. <laughs> and I, as if, oh my gosh, let's see who, you know. And I think that coming together in our classes, as we've been together longer, we become more and more like family. And uh, in a way, it's going to be great. That class that Lynn, and Lynn is going to give, you know, or, or we're going to read about parents and children, I'm eager to see whether we play that rule, role in our group here you know like who are the parents and who are the children and how are we looking at one another because i have i'm not a parent but i'm a child but i can apply that hopefully to everything but anyway i i look at an opportunity the more i get to know all of you and you get to know me and we get to know each other the more the little sibling rivalry and all that comes up and uh, having problems with whatever so-and-so is blabbing off again, you know, or all these thoughts. I, I, I look forward to using this as an opportunity to look at all the projections I have. And hopefully <laughs> take five minutes <laughs> to fully um, look at what I'm not loving about myself. 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Lynn, please, sorry about my dog. I'm gonna go. Oh, uh, <laughs> did I? Oh, oh yes, yes. Um, uh, uh, it was back to what Stephen was, was saying, how he, he doesn't, I don't know exactly how you said it, Stephen, but it's kind of like, you don't know how you get there, but you get there. <laughs> And that it dawned on me that we can't do being. There's no way we can do being. <laughs> we have to go there. <laughs> and and that's that's the thing we're we're so um afraid of because it's formless and there is no me there, but we can't do it. We can only allow ourselves to fall into it through the process of letting go of everything else. So anyway, try, try as I might to figure out how to do being, it never worked. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that same idea of trying to um, bring, bring it into the dream. Right. We can't it, uh, do it yeah. in the dream. You have to get out of the dream in order to do it. It's just, yeah. yeah. Gotta join Jesus where he is. Yeah. Yeah. Jean was waving. Hi, Jean. Morning. Um, you know, the question you posed, Rebecca, was um, how do we forgive and forget? And I was thinking of that word full that we spoke about, you know, the full five minutes and in that kind of ego sense, the full five minutes. And then fullness. And I think in the fullness, time and space of the affront, they fall away. But it's for me to understand what full, you know, and as I think Lynn just said, you know, that being aspect, to just to rest in that. And it's almost like I just have to let go just really let go um, and it can be beautiful thank you it's mm, beautiful thank you so much when i uh, when i went to see my brothers you know i was pretty prayed up and you know my standard prayer is jesus help me see my brother the way you do because i'm having a problem with that <laughs> i don't know how you see him but i'm having a problem with the way i see him and uh so so I was thinking about that overwhelming feeling of, 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 of feeling like whatever kind of negative feeling it is. It's not just I'm bored. I mean, I'm bored out of my mind. Like one of my brothers loves to watch the TV Western channel. And it's not, it's not like Unforgiven or, you know, like the new ones. It's all the old Maverick and uh, I can't even remember all that. Wanted Dead or Alive, which was actually Steve McQueen. That would have been all right. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, Gunsmoke is the big one. I don't know how many episodes I watched of Gunsmoke. And, and I've probably seen them all before. So, but this time it was like that. What, what occurred to me was when I set the goal of being willing to see my brother a different way, meaning I'm, I'm going to try to, and, you know, the words now are, I'm not going to teach you that you can hurt me or bore me to death with to death with gun smoke you know maybe i could have a whole different experience gun smoke's still on but what if i could? so i'm sitting there going 
And instead of that overwhelming boredom feeling, I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm really getting into it. I'm getting into the acting, how much they, they were allowed to act, how much they, the script in the 50s and 60s, what they could say, what they couldn't say. And suddenly it was that wonderment that Stephen was talking about. Like, this is really wild. <laughs> I'm enjoying my brother. I'm enjoying Gunsmoke. Matt Dillon and <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so but I mean it just it was it, it was once I if I walked in there without admitting I'm going to teach you to hurt me and then that overwhelming feeling of boredom comes up and I feel hurt I feel like I'm dying but if I was willing to even shift the goal I don't know how to see you the way Jesus does but I'm willing to to go in and ask Jesus to help me not see you as hurting me, not see you as boring me to death. Maybe something else can take place. Maybe I can pretend something else, <laughs> you know. But And then it just kicked in. It was riding the bike. It was just like all, all just became wonderfully in and of itself. I didn't have to think anything or do anything. I was along for the ride. But man, just changing the goal was a big one from... I'm, I'm not going to teach you that you can hurt me. I'm just going to teach you that we can be all right together. Because we are all already all right together. So, yeah, thanks. That, yeah, oh, thank you. I remember, like, when I was a kid, young kid, we'd go to the movies when it was still the daytime, and then you'd get out and it was night. And it was so disordered. I don't know if anybody had, remembers this feeling of you, you had lost yourself so completely in the movie that you're like, wait, where am I? What is this? And I remember that visceral feeling. And um, maybe that's kind of close. Maybe that's kind of close to what we're talking about here. This, this, yeah, being able to lose ourselves. If we can lose ourselves in the movie, maybe we can do it in God, right? Uh, yeah, Bruce. Yeah, the, the forgive and forget sequence. I, I've been kind of musing on that since you mentioned that. And I was thinking, you know, that it's, I think the sequence might be important. <laughs> and not try to forget and then forget. And then, and then I was thinking of what, you know, the classic line in, in what, 189, what but, um, you know, forget this world, forget this course. I think maybe the, the pre prerequisite to that is, forgive this world and then forget this world and forget this course, maybe in that order <laughs> might be the sequence that is, is implied. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. I like that. Forgive this world, forget this world, forget this course. That's good. <laughs> I see it like a, like a magic wand, like juke, juke, juke. And then you like do it around yourself and then you disappear too. <laughs> uh, I like that. Okay, should we move on to paragraph four? Oh, Bruce Brickman. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, there you are. Is, uh, when you're talking about uh, paragraph two and and putting uh, try try putting it on, you know, it uh, I uh, was um, doing a meditation class for Maya, and I tried to. Tried to put something on, you know, in a meditation, and uh, I 
it went all right for me, but it was a little bit difficult for them because I used some sound that was gotten away. But anyways, this this um, situation of uh, trying to uh, find a way to do something, you know, I, I found myself as, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm driving down the road, you know, have you ever been driving down the road and you and you're you're going to the road and it says, you know, I don't know the name of the road, but if I see it, I'll know it. You know, it's for somehow that's how Jesus sometimes or the Holy Spirit comes to me. You know what I mean? If I try to write it out, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have to have the principles in line. I have to have a structure to have my wheels stay on. But once that's there, I, I, I sort of um, go on a, a pilot as to where things are just sort of shown to me. And, uh, and I let, as you were saying, you know, uh, let, let the dream unfold. And uh, but don't let it... Uh, uh, don't let it uh, make you uh, unfold to it, you know. Let it unfold to you. Go ahead, Lynn. Yeah, Bruce, as you were saying that, I was thinking that the association with being that you're talking about and doing that right-minded doing comes out of being. I mean, it just is a spontaneous way of going about our day and everything works. But yeah. it's because it's coming out of being, not out of how am I going to do this day to have it be what I want it to be versus no, be first and let the being and the day will unfold. So thank you for pointing that association out. Yeah, well, actually, what you said earlier about being is what, is what brought about me. So <laughs> we watered each other's plants there. Going around. <laughs> yeah, you can't do being. <laughs> but you can do the conditions to get to being. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce. You mentioned doing and being, and I was thinking, well, maybe Frank Sinatra didn't have it right, you know, the do be, do be, do thing. Then, <laughs> then I was thinking of Bruce Brickman's comment, which I think was so right on with the, you know, you, you recognize the road signs. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Now I remember the name of the road because I've been down that road a few times, kind of thing. And that, what a great, great analogy. Mm -hmm. And then, then when you said unfolding, I was thinking about, you know, Ken's. Um, uh, talk on the you know rolling back the carpet of time and i was thinking well we have to take jesus's hand so he pulls us off the carpet before the the carpet rolls back otherwise we'll just see hands and and feet sticking out of the ends of the carpet you know so so we just have to you know, have to be outside of the space and time dream otherwise we'll get rolled up in that carpet so thanks try getting that image out of my head now <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been a Gary Larson cartoon or something like that, but that, that kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, can 
So I love it. I love the what everybody has shared here, right? Like we've all you can't really quite say it, but everybody's sort of sharing. There's a there's a real feeling of of forgiveness of um, what that feels like. We all we all know it when we have it, right? And um, thank you for. I think we've painted a really beautiful uh, picture of that for ourselves. It's really cool. Yeah. Okay, let's. Uh... Oh, I, I forgot. I don't think I said it, but um, when the thing about that in, in, incredible feeling of boredom, or that you've hurt me, or or that just that feeling of being hurt, it it feels so uh, reactionary, like it's a reaction to something external. I mean, it really does feel like that. However, when I was willing to admit. If I'm going into the, if all of my doing is about, I'm going to teach, my doing is always, I'm going to teach you, you can hurt me. Being is just being. I'll do what I'm doing, but it won't have anything to do with teaching you that you hurt me. So if I'm teaching that, and, and then the only way I can prove that you actually hurt me is I, I, I actually create this feeling of being totally bored to death or, or, or totally feeling overwhelmed. And it doesn't feel like it when I'm doing it. It just feels like it's a reaction. But then, then because, okay, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to just be with you. I'm going to hang out with my brothers and be okay, like Jesus is okay with them. And then it's like this whole other, all these wonderful feelings happen. I mean, the, the feelings still come up. They're good, but they're, they're not like, oh, you, I feel overwhelmed. You hurt me. You did this. You did that. It's just all this other stuff. Like moving from doing to being is actually moving from I'm going to my doing, even though it looks like I'm doing all kinds of things all the time. If there, if if I'm in a not good place, it's because I'm going to teach myself that something external can hurt me. Mostly you, sometimes me, but mostly you. <laughs> but if I'm willing to stop having that as my goal, <laughs> It's like all kinds of things can be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. When I don't decide how things are going, to be, how things are going to be, then it opens it up for how they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lynn. Yeah. I I think I find what happens. Uh, when I make that shift from what you're talking about, Tim, uh, or, you know, just that low grade expectation that somewhere I'm going to be hurt or, you know, insulted or whatever, whatever it is, but that, um, that, that sense, oh my God, I just lost my train of thought in that, um, Hmm. It was good too. It sometimes <laughs> I think maybe I took pride <laughs> in my idea. <laughs> Do you know when that happens? You take pride in an idea which is oh so juicy and good, and here I'm getting ready to share it, you know, and be all brilliant, and then. <laughs> <It's gone. laughs> 
Maybe the Holy Spirit whisked it away, thankfully, and it was grace. <laughs> okay, maybe it'll come back. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love it. Uh, the whole new meaning of forgiving and forgetting. <laughs> yeah, right there in the moment. Okay, it's over. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I just wanted to say that, uh, Tim, you have never taught any of us that we could hurt you. And it, it's so funny how we separate out that uh, the, the family love. And Aris was talking about us being a family. And I'm like, man, we're so dysfunctional in our own relationships. I'm sure we've got plenty of stuff to go through here. And, and it, as I was thinking about forgive and forget, how would we know? I mean, if we really got through a forgiveness um, an absolute forgiveness how would we know if if we actually forget it uh, like <laughs> we would just be done with it right <laughs> i love it i remembered <laughs> thank you thank you vicky <laughs> here's what i remembered <laughs> I find that when I go into any relationship uh, and, and knowing that the Holy Spirit is there with me, he's got the relationship and he's going to teach me through my brother. I get really, really interested in my brother. That's how I know. I'm really interested because now... I know the Holy Spirit's got us and there's always something beautiful, some wonderful learning that happens. And when I'm not interested, like Tim was talking about being bored, you know, well, who wouldn't be bored when you expect you're going to be hurt? <laughs> but when it's with the Holy Spirit, you know, you expect something different and you get it and you get it. Th thank you for my comeback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm just looking at the time. Um, let's just read. Uh, we'll just, I'll read through here. And then I think we'll do lesson 60 as our closing meditation. Um, but I just want to read through paragraphs uh four, five, and six, um, and look at kind of these three steps of forgiveness. And then we'll look at paragraph seven, and then we'll close. We'll, we'll probably be done in about 10 minutes. If you need to leave, we won't take it. I won't take it personal. Um, okay. So paragraph four, if you are doing the exercise as well, you should have no difficulty in finding a number of people you have not forgiven. It is a safe rule that anyone you do not like is a suitable subject. <laughs> Mention each one by name and say, God is the love in which I forgive you. Um, and I, you know, can just points out that it's um, in this first kind of introduction to forgiveness, uh, Jesus uses people we don't like, but of course this applies to everyone, right? We have to forgive the people that we do like because we learn that special relationships, special love and special hate are um, 
the same thing, right? Just like Tim was saying, we have to forgive our concept of love. We, we think our concept of love is a good thing. You know, this is beautiful, um, but it's wrong-minded, right? Uh, paragraph five, the purpose of the first phase of today's practice periods is to put you in a position to forgive yourself. That's all we're doing here. That's the crux of the course. We can only forgive ourselves. There's only one of us here. After you have applied the idea to all those who have come to mind, tell yourself, God is the love in which I forgive myself. Then devote the remainder of the practice period to adding related, related ideas, such as, God is the love with which I love myself. I love that. Oh. God is the love in which I am blessed. Paragraph six, the form of the application may vary considerably, but the central idea should not be lost sight of. You, you might say, for example, I cannot be guilty because I am the son of God. I have already been forgiven. No fear is possible in a mind beloved of God. There is no need to attack because love has forgiven me. And then he says, and the practice period should always end with the repetition of today's idea as originally stated, God is the love in which I forgive. So this idea that we bring the ego's thoughts to the Holy Spirit to be forgiven, we raise them up to be erased and no longer remembered as we remember the truth of God's love. We don't bring this concept down in order to change the form. We rise, we raise it up in order to have the entire form erased. That's the shift. And then it just ends with the shorter practice periods may consist either of a repetition of the idea for today in the original or in a related form, as you prefer. I love this. Be sure, however, to make more specific applications if they are needed. They will be needed at any time during the day when you become aware of any kind of negative reaction to anyone present or not. <laughs> in that event, tell him silently, God is the love in which I forgive you. So right, this is needed every second of every day of every moment. We're, I, I wrote, we're threading together moments of forgiveness to create a state of forgiveness or right-minded thinking. Would this be the attainment of the real world? Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you guys so much. Does anybody have anything they want to share before we close today? This has been really 
a beautiful forgiveness class. Yeah, Bruce. Just, just a quick comment. One line that grabbed me is in the first sentence of paragraph five. The, the purpose of the first phase of today's practice is to put you in a plate, put you in a position to forgive yourself. I was thinking, well, it's not a geographic position. I don't need to go to a sacred site or a or a shrine or or you know do anything on the level of form behavioral. I just need to get back to my mind and with Holy Spirit and just say, okay, I'm going to bring everyone that that I've got a grievance with or any, any situation or circumstance or whatever, and bring that back into my mind and look at it with Jesus and say, Hey, we can, together we have the lamp. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Great, great class. Thanks. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you so much. My, uh, my newest thing is uh, not just teach you that you can't hurt me, be willing to look at that and, and try something else, but teach me that I can't hurt me. Like I was putting together one of those put together cabinets yesterday. Oh my God. <laughs> and the whole time I'm doing it, I am not doing this with Jesus. Well, I think off and on I was. <laughs> but but the times when I wasn't doing it with Jesus, I was definitely teaching myself that this cabinet was going to hurt me. And it did. <laughs> I mean, it did. <laughs> In more ways than one. Emotionally, physically. <laughs> my back was, oh God, I went to bed last night thinking I'll never walk again. <laughs> So, but I mean, that's what I, I mean, if I'm doing anything, including putting together a cabinet and I'm not thinking Jesus, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to hurt me. And I'm going to teach myself that I can hurt myself using this thing to do it. I, I mean, is this like, really? Do I, I mean, I could put together the ca cabinet and teach something else. <laughs> teach me in the cabinet. We're okay. No matter what happens. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah I just uh, the thought that occurred to me with your sharing, Tim, was that, and I want to feel hurt. That's the really, the sad realization that I have to come to that, that that's been an acceptable uh, situation to preserve my identity. And once I see that, then I have a choice. Do I want to keep doing that? Or I was thinking I've accused certain political figures for doubling down. And I'm equally, equally able to double down thoroughly with that old position. And um, it just feels really nice to be moving closer and closer to that decision-making point and recognizing that, that I really do have a choice. There is another way to live that doesn't involve any hurt. And it's nice to, nice to think in very simple terms, you know, to, be heard or to be free. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much. Jean. So every time we do a lesson, I always have a sentence that stands out in, in paragraph six, and it's the, the third italicized sentence. No fear is possible in a mind beloved of God. If I could just dress myself in those words, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Forgiveness. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's get quiet for a few minutes before we go back out. I'm going to read uh, the first part of lesson 60, which is the review 
of the lesson 46 that we just did. God is the love in which I forgive. God does not forgive because he has never condemned. The blameless cannot blame and those who have accepted their innocence see nothing to forgive. Yet forgiveness is the means by which I will recognize my innocence. It is the reflection of God's love on earth. It will bring me near enough to heaven that the love of God can reach down to me and raise me up to him. Thank you guys so much. Hope everybody has a beautiful Saturday. Thanks, Becca. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Thank Thanks, you. Becca. It's really good. So glad to be back. Thanks. 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 Great class. Thank you. Have a good day. Good to see you. Love you. Bye. Mm -hmm.